of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Welcome to the Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Thank you for joining me today as we are here today in Psalm 104, continuing through the Psalm Project. We have a couple more to go to finish Book 4. So we're getting there, almost complete with Book 4, and then we will be into the fifth book. We're going through this, and so I'm very excited. Psalm 104 seems to, uh, there. it seems to be almost a continuation of Psalm 103. It really isn't, but it's in a good location in the canon of scripture. It is not attributed to any author. Um, it focuses on God's great act of creation. So that's what's emphasized here, and it reflects on the teaching uh, and the vocabulary, really, of Genesis 1 and the creation account. Uh, there are some parallels that can be observed between this song and uh, an Egyptian pharaoh in the, 14, in the 14th century named Akhenaten. Uh, and what I mean by that is that this, there are some parallels between this and, and a song uh, attributed to Akhenaten to the sun. but the, Not the sun Jesus, but the sun in the sky. Uh, the psalm affirms, however, that the Creator alone, God Himself, and not any other aspect of creation, as the Son, should be worshipped. So God alone should be worshipped. So this is quite lengthy, but let me go ahead and read the 35 verses of Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may never pass so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth. And wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen men's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. He, the sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness, and it is night. 
when all the beasts in the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So let me get, there, there's a, a good bit here I want to get into, so... <laughs> Um, someone once told me in seminary, the key to a good sermon is be brief, brother, be brief. <laughs> All the bees, but um, I will try to be as brief as possible. But here we are in this lengthy psalm. I need to take enough time to uh, break this down and do justice for it. So here we are in Psalm 104. Verse 1 begins like Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalmist is commanding his soul to bless the Lord. And then he says, you are clothed with splendor and majesty, speaking to God. So this section develops the metaphor of the creation as God's garment. It gives you an idea of the bigness of God, the, the grandeur of God. And so this emphasizes the distinction between the creator and the creation and implicitly disparges worship of any aspect of creation, however glorious it may seem. There are people that would put creation above God. In fact, there are people that would not believe in God, but would say that creation is a sort of God. It reminds me of Romans 1, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And it is foolish to worship any aspect of creation when God himself is the one that created them. Verse 2, so the psalmist here begins going through the creation account, and it says, covering yourself with a light. This is a reference to the first day of creation, where God said, let there be light. And then he says, stretching out the heavens like a tent. This is a reference to the second day of creation in Genesis 1 where God says, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. <laughs> and God, we'll get into that in a little bit. And God made the expanse and separated the waters so that there were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And so it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and morning the second day. Verse 3. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot, 
He rides on the wings of the wind. Again, just referencing God's creation and how he is in control of all of it. Verse 4, he makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. God's heavenly servants have an awesome appearance, but how much more powerful must God their creator be? This verse may be a, a, a polemic against Baal worship, since Canaanite mythological texts really describe the servants as their, their god as flames of fire. And so this could be sort of mocking that idea of Baal. You see this quite often in the Psalms. The Psalms will reference perhaps other regions and their uh, gods or their mythological beliefs. We've seen that several times in the book of Psalms. And often it's, it, it's either a mockery of those gods or declaring that, well, if, if these gods um, have this much power, well, look at the strength of the one true God and how much greater he is. And uh, again, the Psalms do not advocate for polytheism. That's not the idea. In fact, the Psalms quite the opposite, saying that the one true God is the one to be worshipped. Verse 5. He set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. The world is stable and ordered, not chaotic. And God's control of the world is comforting to those who recognize it. Verse 6. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. So God created the waters and ordered them in rivers, lakes, oceans, and in the regions of the surrounding nations of Israel. The sea is a symbol of chaos and disorder. So their pantheistic theology defies the sea and sets it against the gods of order. So the Bible uses this imagery, but disallows the polytheistic theology. And we've seen that several times in the book of Psalms. Verse 9. You set a boundary that they may not pass. He's doing this with creation. This is speaking directly of the power of God. In other words, who tells the oceans that it can only go so far? Who tells the sun well, of course, we know the sun doesn't rise, and I mean, it's the Earth's movement, but who tells these things, these um, inanimate objects, as large as they may be, the Earth, the planets, the stars, who tells them what to do? It is God himself. And then in verse 9, you set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the Earth. Not again. What is that referencing? This is a reference to the promise God made to Noah after the flood. In Genesis 9:11, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And as the biblical story goes, a rainbow was set in the sky as not not to remind, God's not going to forget that, okay? But really as a reminder to us that God has made that promise. And again, there are those that would say, well, uh, this is a fictitious story. Noah, that Noah built this, and you could understand why. I mean, the magnitude of the story. Noah builds, builds this boat, this magic boat. We've never had rain before, and God saves his family. Well, that really happened. 
Okay, this is not a fictional account. This is not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It really happened. And if we cannot believe that were those words of scripture, then we cannot even believe that Jesus loves us because both are equally as true. And so that's what this psalm is referencing there. Where he says, might not again cover the earth. It's referencing the promise that God made to Noah after the flood. Verse 14, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock. This is a reflection of the third day of creation. Genesis 1, uh, verses 9 through uh, 13. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered in one place. And let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called dry land to earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then in verse 11, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its own kind on the earth. And it was so. So again, the psalmist is walking through the creation account. Verse 15, and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. God's kindness is exhibited here in his provisions for daily life. First uh, Timothy 4.4 4 says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Okay, And this is not talking about the way that humankind has distorted creation, but the creations themselves that God created, all of it is good. And that's not to say that we should not use wisdom and that we should not use these created things, be it food or wine, whatever it may be, with moderation. And I think everything can be good in moderation. Verse 19, he made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. This is the fourth day of creation, Genesis 1, 14 through 19. Verse 21, the young lions roar for they, their prey, seeking their food from God. What appears to be purely natural, lions seeking their prey is actually an act of providence. Okay, and this goes to the idea when people say, what does God's sovereignty mean? Well, does that mean that he literally controls everything? Or does that mean that he allows things to happen? And so uh, you go back to Romans. Uh, for those God foreknew, he predestined. And there, were, there are those that say would say foreknowledge means that God saw who would receive him. And therefore from eternity... Uh, they are saved because he already knew they were going to do it. That is not sovereignty. That's telling the future. No, God is in control of everything. Everything that happens, he has ordained and will ordain. And ultimately, it will all glorify him. In verse 23, man goes out to his work. God has given his creation a wonderfully ordered rhythm. If you're like me, you are a person of rhythm. You like routine. Verse 24. 
O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. So the divine answer to Job, if you will remember that story, contains many examples of God's wisdom in creation, where God says, were you the one that did this? Were you the one that created it? It's a rhetorical question. Obviously, no. God is exceedingly wise, beyond what we can imagine, and worthy to be worshipped because of that. And uh, we see in Job 41, for example, can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Okay, that's graphic and that's pretty extreme. The rhetorical answer obviously is no, but God is saying, look, can you do that? This is nothing for me. I can do this. So God's wisdom is exceedingly great compared to our mere human understanding of wisdom. Verse 25. Here is the sea great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable. This is the fifth day of creation in Genesis 1, 20 through 23. And then we see a reference to Leviathan. Verse 26, there go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed it to play in it. So the psalmist's imagination is caught up with God's mysterious sea. On its surface, ships glide to and fro from distant ports. And while underneath lurks this monster that we've mentioned before, Leviathan, a poetic symbol of God's creative power. Verse 29, when you hide your face, they are dismayed. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, which we haven't gotten to yet, but he does say, where can I go from your spirit? But his anger, in his anger, God withdraws his covenant blessings, and this is experienced as divine absence. Verse 30, when you send forth your spirit, they are created. This alludes to Genesis 2, 4 through 8, the creation of man and woman. It says, uh, the Lord God formed the man uh, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So um, when it's talking about sending forth his spirit and creating them right here, it's talking about the creation of humankind. Verse 32, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. The hills are the symbol of stability and firmness, often in the the Psalms. But God's mere touch sets them aflame. Verse 35, let sinners be consumed from the earth. The psalmist would like to see the removal of everything that opposes the godly order that he is so eloquently eloquently described here in Psalm 104. And so Psalm 104, similar to Psalm 103, speaks of blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Then it speaks of all creation blessing the Lord. And then it goes on in Psalm 104 to speak of blessing the Lord. It even begins with bless the Lord, O my soul. But continues with the idea of creation being his and everything belonging to him and really dwarfs any idea that anything could even be close to being compared to him. All of creation is his. And so God, therefore, is worthy 
to be praised and to be worshipped. And so we should cry out to our very souls, bless the Lord. So this is a lengthy psalm. The musical setting is quite lengthy too. I've set it um, in three, three verses. They are long verses. They really have four sections in each verse. Uh, three verses and three different choruses. Uh, so the choruses, when, it come, when they come back, it's not the same text. And then it ends with uh, sort of a half version of a verse, another verse. So there really is, are three and a half verses and three different choruses. The only difference is the text. The musical nuances are the same. Uh, but here it is. Here is Psalm 104, set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Bless the Lord, Lord God, you are great, with honor arrayed, majestic in state, you cover yourself with a garment of light, and stretch out the sky as a curtain by night. The beams of your courts in waters you laid, on wings of the wind, your pathway you made. Clouds are your chariot, the winds do your will, the flames and the lightnings to pleasure fill. You set up the earth on foundation sure, that always it should unshaken endure. Deep seas like a garment about it you cast, the waters stood high. Over mountains they passed But at your rebuke The high waters fled The thunder they heard And from there they sped The mountains arose And the valleys sank low And went to the place You ordered them to go The trees of the Lord are Fighting with water, the cedars of Lebanon planted by him. The birds build the nest there, the storks choose the fir trees, while goats climb high mountains where rock badgers hide. The moon he created to mark off the seasons, the sun knows the time for its setting each night. You said the waters are bound as they should return and cover the ground. You make springs gush forth in the valleys below and cause rushing streams for the mountains to flow. The beasts of the field, the streams satisfy, the wild donkeys need, they fully supply. Birds make their nests in the trees by the spring And there in the branches they joyfully sing You water the hills with rain from your sky With fruit of your works 
unsatisfying To nourish the cattle You'll cause grass to grow For man's daily labor Plants you restore So man brings forth food By working the ground And wine makes his heart With gladness abound To make his face shine He extracts fragrant oil Finds bread that strengthens his heart for his toil When you bring the darkness and night follows daytime The beasts of the forest all come out to prowl The young lions roar as for prey they go searching Depending on God to provide them with food but when the sun rises, they go into hiding While man goes to work until evening again How many works, Lord, in wisdom you've made How fully on earth your wealth is displayed Consider the ocean, how great and how wide we're small and great creatures, a number abide. Where ships sail the deep and sea monsters play. These all look to you to give food each day. Whatever you give, they gather for food. When your hand you open, you fill them with good. Bewildered they yearn When you take their breath To dust they return When you send your spirit Created are they The face of the ground You renew every day Forevermore may The Lord's glory stand The Lord will enjoy The works of his hand Looks at the earth and it trembles in fear. He touches the mountains, the smoke then appears. Your works, Lord, are many, created in wisdom. The whole earth is filled with the things you have made. Consider the ocean, so vast, filled with creatures, the large and the The ships sail upon it, Leviathan lives there, you made it to play in the depths of the sea. As long as I live, the Lord I will praise, to God I will sing throughout all my days. May my meditation be pleasing to Him. My heart in the Lord then with gladness will brim Consumed from the earth, let sinners then be The wicked in life, no more let us see And now, oh my soul, blessing give to the Lord Let glad hallelujahs ring, oh praise the Lord